Tell you what, Derek. What? This is radio show number seven. Yeah. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either up here. Second floor, 91 Albert Street. Isolated. No one, no one comes through these doors. Just us. Ain't no one going to come through here. Just me and you all day, every day. Sitting here alone. Shepherding these records. Yeah, taking care of them. You know, kind of lonely. Kind of miss the contact. All by, all by our lonesome. You know, Chris, when we started this show, yeah. you know, it just kind of something that happened one night. One time. It was just going to be a one-shot thing, you know, but here we are. Show number seven. Yeah. Derek, can I ask you something? I thought you didn't eat soup. Well, sick of eating beans. Too early in the summer to be sick of beans. Tell you what, though. Truth is, sometimes I miss you so much I can hardly stand it. Why I'm right here every day. Why can't I quit you? Feel like I'm stuck in this job. I guess is what I mean by that. Well, you could I've been here almost ten years now. You you can leave whenever you want, you know. Tell you what though. I I guess I could. Yeah. Alright. First we gotta do this show. Yeah. Yeah. But just this once.
Welcome to episode 7 of G7 Radio. Can you believe it, Derek? Here the we are. August 2007 edition. That was at the gates. With? Slaughter of the Soul. From? A record called? Theirs. Slaughter, Slaughter of the, of the Soul. soul. Uh, it's touted as a classic. Soon to be re-released. Who cares? With uh, Who cares, sort of I said. Didn't you hear me? Interview with the I'm in no members. mood for this today. It's shirts off day at G7 today, isn't it, Derek? It is. Well, why do you have your anyway, shirt on? I don't know. You took your shirt off, and I, I, I'm. It's little... shirts off day today at G7. So what? why are we? Uh, why? 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 Why is it shirts off day? Oh, right, because we're um, we're in the middle of somewhat of a heat wave here in Winnipeg. We don't have a fan. We don't even have a fan. We have millions of fans, but they don't cool us down. If you know what I mean, they just heat us up. And uh, our water dispenser was repossessed by the water company. For and our toilet don't work. And our toilet doesn't work. And John from Miko just took a shit in it. Yeah, and it stinks. Yeah. Luckily, he didn't turn around, pick it up, and eat it like he did in his former band, Red Fisher. Not supposed to say that. So you might wonder, why is everything being repossessed from the G7 office? Uh, why are things breaking down? Well, I have a very mm. short and... Dink. But what about the what about the G seven stuff? <laughs> a short and painstakingly clear Dink. <laughs> what about our Answer. financial situation? People, we have to break it to you. Uh oh. We're broke. Oh. G seven is broke. Now we've broken it to you. You know, while we may have uh <clears throat> made a substantial dent in our debt load to uh creditors. Mm. suppliers in the past year or two yes uh this has only increased our debt to our bands and uh fuck those guys you know i know that in the uh underground music community there's been a lot of talk lately about various labels and, and problems with paying their bands right like victory records well victory records being sued by their bands by terrible bands by their by their most terrible bands there's some justice in terrible bands suing terrible labels but g7 is on the verge of joining the ranks of, of labels being sued for non-payment of for royalties. non-payment we currently owe a certain band a, who uh, a certain band i is a little uncomfortable talking about this because there's some conflict yeah, of interest involved I, yeah, I don't want to talk about it with me here. Yeah, let's just wait till I leave. I'm afraid of my reaction. Right. But nonetheless, it's safe to say that we're in a crisis. Uh, so, you know, before we go any further with the show, we do have a great show for you guys today. But I just want to make a, 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 a urgent plea that you, you get on to your computer right now or go to the library. And turn it on and then get in front of the keyboard when you get down from it. And go to our website, g7welcomingcommunity.com, click on the donate link, and uh, G7 has got no money. money. Yeah! So what's on deck today, Derek? We're going to be speaking with Sheila Pisey-Allen. 
Winnipeg activist with the Indigenous People's Solidarity Movement. Working out of Grassy Narrows. Yeah. The Grassy Narrows blockade against Abbott to be consolidated in northwestern Ontario. And Warehouser. So she's going to be talking about the Grassy Narrows First Nation blockade a little later. But before that, what else do we got coming up? Fuck, you know what we got coming up? No, that's why I'm asking. Well, one thing we got going on today, Derek. Apparently there's some breaking news in the propaganda camp. Really? Yeah. Ooh, weird. When, when's, this is supposed to happen during the show. During the show. Fuck, okay. So, well, with bated breath throughout yeah, the show then. Yeah, with really bad breath. We'll have to, uh, we will preempt whatever we are doing at the time when this right. call comes in. Right. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, stay tuned. Plus, we will be revisiting last month's paranormal investigation that we did. The seance at my house. But yes. viewed through the eyes of scientists. Thick glasses. All that and more coming up on this edition of G7 Radio. Your computer's broken. Um, you mentioned earlier this morning that somebody on our blog had posted uh, a link to a Stephen Shalom question and answer. Uh, piece about Israel in Lebanon. Yes, yes. Caitlin was the one who posted it. Caitlin. And it's, uh, it's actually, it's an interesting Q&A. Uh, some good context for trying to understand what's going on over there. So yeah. we're going we're gonna to post, a, we're going to put it in our show notes. Put a link we'll in the show notes. We'll post a link in the show notes and uh, you can check it out. Of, of particular interest in that article, I thought was the, the uh, tally of the past uh, six years, how many rockets have actually been fired into Israel. By Hezbollah, because this is, repeatedly this is the uh, reason that is given about these rockets falling, all these rockets fired into civilian areas, and there's some illuminating figures outlined in that Q and A. You know, one of one of the knee jerk responses to a criticism of Israel, especially here in a in a very uh, in a city like Winnipeg, where there is a large Israeli extremist population. Yes, um, one of the, the things that people do to to stop debate is to uh, imply that. A critic is anti-Semitic. Yes. A critic of Israel is an anti-Semite. Bogus. I believe that is bogus. I don't think it's impossible that one who criticizes Israel could be an anti-Semite, but I think it's a cheap way of ending a debate. One guy who is an anti-Semite, Derek, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. It's interesting because I watched a documentary uh, last week called uh, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is a only moderately interesting documentary. It's, 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 a, it's a, supposed to be a documentary debunking a book. The claim that Jews are trying to control the world. Yes, a secret cadre of, of Jews. Unlike know. the secret cadre of Christians or the secret cadre of anybody. Any secret cadre of, cadre of billionaires. I won't go into the movie, but in the documentary, they do have a short clip of Mel Gibson's father challenging the numbers of the uh, Nazi Holocaust of Jews at 6 million. He's challenging this number by claiming that... a. A whole bunch, thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews left uh, Germany and Poland before the Holocaust got started, uh, knowing that it was coming. And then he claims that they fled to all these New York, Paris, London, anywhere there's money, he says. He says that a Jew follows the money. Why would they come to Winnipeg? Clearly, he was raised by an anti-Semitic man. And, and then there's the, you know, the whole thing where... That documentary the, he did about Jesus. The documentary he did. Where he got that film footage from, I think it was, he found it 
It was found in the vault in Jerusalem, actually. Yeah. Uh, he had to actually battle his way through a wall of Jews to get to the, the safe where the footage was kept. The there, footage of Christ being crucified and being put to death by the Jews. But I think that there are some historical reasons there why Mel Gibson has become such a fuck Idiot. Nut. Yeah. But nonetheless, I'm sure his new uh, Apocalyptico movie will be great. Yeah, or his, uh, his miniseries on the Holocaust. Right, which has now been shelved. I would like to see what it claims. Yeah, it could be really funny. Look, there's there's gas coming down. Oh, it's actually a sauna. Oh, it's really comfortable in here. Anyway, oh, thank you for all the presents, Mr. German. Hey, these aren't cattle cars. This is a roller coaster. <laughs> Whee! So here's a couple of songs for neo-Nazi douchebag Mel Gibson, starting with Cryptic Slaughter, Reich of Torture.
Take your shirt off, for fuck's sakes. That was David Bowie with China Girl from Let's Dance. Derek, also last month uh, we played, uh, we, we thought it was just a joke. We played uh, a segment where we actually created a Ouija board and held a seance. Yep. And uh, Yeah, I was there. Yeah, we, we just thought it was all in good fun. But we had a bunch of people write in saying that they, they analyzed the audio and actually heard yes. some sort of voices. Like a di- kind of like distorted digital yeah, voices well, in the background, which we did not hear. We did not hear. We did not, we did not add them. So I don't know if they're just an artifact of, of a faulty dithering algorithm on, in Pro Tools here or what. But uh, we've actually we've sent their recordings in yep. to uh, the Paranormal Institute in uh, Brookings, New York. They actually analyzed the files. We're going to play now the original file of uh, what, what you probably heard at home. Again, it's moving. And now here's what the Brookings Institute were, were able to uh, extract. We're able to extract with their technology. Get out! So th- there you have it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Inconclusive. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but definitely inconclusive. I mean, that could be anything. Yeah, it could. That could be like just a uh, something on the emulsion, right? A, a paper plate. A paper plate. It could be honestly, not to sound like a skeptic, that really does resemble a weather balloon. To it's me. true. It's true. So, can I stay at your house tonight? Again? Do you still have those two super comfy pillows? Those weren't pillows. Speaking of occupations, incursions. Long-term settler statism. We're here with uh, Sheila Pisey Allen, who is a uh, human human being who is involved with uh, Friends of Grassy Narrows, or now called Indigenous uh, Peoples Solidarity Movement. Yeah. Oh, it's changed. Right. Yes. Why? Well, I think because uh, we were doing things that weren't just in support of Grassy Narrows. Thing. We had done some Caledonia solidarity actions and stuff like that. Or Six Nations, I should say. So I guess, uh, I guess what we're interested in talking to you about today is maybe um, what has been going on uh, recently in uh, Grassy Narrows. Maybe you can give us some background about... Uh, where it is. Wh- where it is. Who's there. Who's there. So it's the Anishinaabe in Grassy Narrows. That's and right. It's, and it's the Whiskey Jack Forest, right? That's right. The Grassy Narrows First Nation is about an hour north of Kenora in Ontario. Um, and it's a community of about a thousand people. And they've experienced lots of racism and oppression in the past, well, hundreds of years. But um, more recently, in, in the 1960s, they, their, commun- their reserve was relocated due to flooding from hydro dams. Uh, in the 1970s, the government um, reported that um, there had been contamination from a pulp and paper mill and there had been mercury poisoning in the water. So um, people have been getting sick and um, a disease called Minamata disease. Then there was residential schools and more recently there's been industrial clear-cut logging in their traditional um, territory, which is where a lot of people have trap lines. And so all of those things have uh, devastated their community. Um, people weren't able to fish anymore because of the mercury poisoning and um, people's trap lines are being decimated from the clear-cut logging. And so in December 2002, 
they'd been organizing some political actions and demonstrations and stuff but hadn't been getting anywhere. And um, on December 3rd, some young people in the community started a blockade of a logging road very close to their reserve. And um, it's still standing today and is the longest standing blockade in Canadian history. So who's, what, what companies uh, is the blockade standing against? Who are they blocking from getting to the land? The two big corporations that are logging in their land are Abitibi Consolidated and Warehouser. And they're, and they're, they're cutting down trees to get paper? Yeah. And who are the end users of the paper that they're taking from the land? Um, oh, lots of places. I think there's some big Abitibi cuts the hardwoods and Warehouser cuts the softwoods, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't remember. Some of it doesn't just go to paper, but actually goes to building houses in, okay. in the United States as well. Um, but Warehouser is actually a huge, it's a very common brand of paper. You can find it in Staples and all sorts of stores. Right. And yeah. it, the New York Times and Washington Post are made with that paper? or That's right. So people are, <laughs> people are who are reading the paper are reading lies <laughs> on, top, from, on top of printed on other stolen, lies. stolen resources. Yeah. Lies. So, is there any sort of division within the community, or, or what is the the discourse that goes on about the difference between having control over what happens on the land and actually, you know, stewardship for the land? Mm. Well, I think that people in Grassinaros, or some people, wouldn't be adverse to having logging done right. in their area if it wasn't like like if it wasn't clear-cut logging, like right. if there was selective harvesting and, and if they had control over it, obviously. So, so it's not just opposed to the fact that... Well, fundamentally, it's a land claim issue. Yeah, I don't right. think... Yeah, it's yeah. not just a right. question right. of, um, yeah. oh, the trees are being right. cut right. down. Right. 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 That's a question right. of right. Aboriginal right. rights right. and right. self-determination right. and so, sovereignty, I think, right. and what, right. you know, determining right. what right. happens right. on their land. Kind right. Of. As far as negotiating between Anishinaabe and, say, Abitibi, there, there has been talks, haven't there, in the past? Yeah, um, and in fact, there's a court. Um, some people in the community have taken taken this issue to court and um, have actually, just in the past, a few weeks ago, um, they won, the court decided that they were going to go ahead with the claim. Uh, basically, they're suing um, the corporation. Um, they're going to go ahead with the claim, and they're also going to get Grassy Narrow's legal costs covered. But the, the trial doesn't begin until 2008. So... <laughs> I guess they are in, in quote-unquote talks. They're communicating with each other, but, um, but logging still continues to happen. Have uh, any attempts at negotiation uh, to try to actually solve the problem, uh, have they been primarily with the logging companies, or, or is there actual negotiation with the government as well to try to get the government to lean on the logging companies or rescind contracts for certain areas? I know that there's like there's lots of players involved and that the, pro- the problem has been when they've tried to address issues with the government that they, they pass off the blame like oh it's the federal government concern because you're, it's a reserve or, and then the federal government would pass it off to the province they know it's the Ministry of Natural Resources it's not our problem so I don't think that there's been much progress made in right. talking with the government about the issues. Yeah. I got a letter from the government the other day I opened and read it it said they were suckers they wanted me for their army or whatever me giving a damn, I said never. Here's a land that never gave a damn about a brother like me and myself because they never did. I wasn't with it, but just that very minute it occurred to me. The suckers had authority. Cold sweating as I dwell in my cell. How long has it been? They got me sitting in a state pen. I gotta get out what that thought was thought before. I contemplated the plan on the cell floor. I'm not a fugitive on the run, but a brother like me begun to be another one. Serving time, they drew the line, y'all. They criticize me for some crime. Nevertheless, 
I'm a black man and I can never be a veteran. All the streets and situations unreal. I got a raw deal, so I'm looking for the steal. Hey, yo, Chuck, you serious? You in the justice? Word them up. I'm looking for that steal. Yo, man, we gonna break you out of there, man. We ain't gonna like that, man. Don't you know they got me rotten in the time that I'm serving? Telling you what happened the same time they're throwing. Four of us packed in a cell like slaves. Oh well, the same motherfucker got us living in his hell. You have to realize what is a form of slavery organized under a form of devils. Straight up, where them up on the level. The reasons are several, most of them federal. Here's my plan anyway, and I say I got gusto. But only some I can trust, yo. Some do a bid from one to ten, but I never did, and plus I never been. I'm on a tear with no tears should ever fall. Self block and locked, I never clock it, y'all. Cause time and time again, time they got me serving to those to them. I'm not a citizen, but ever when I catch the CEO sleeping on the job, my plan is on go ahead. I want to strike, but I'ma tell you the deal. I got nothing to lose, cause I'm going for the steal.
Black Steel in the hour of chaos. Public enemy from it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Boy! We are back. You're listening to G7 Radio, and we are talking to Sheila Pazi Allen from the Indigenous People Solidarity Movement about the blockade at Grass Narrows. Sheila. Can, maybe you can talk a little bit uh, about the, the more recent blockades. The, uh, the first blockade that happened was a blockade of the Trans-Canada Highway for one day. And um, it, it happened during, there was a gathering in Grassy Narrows for, I guess, activists to come and to learn uh, direct action tactics and about the community and about how to support their struggle. And in the middle of that, the action happened. Um, so that was July 12th or 13th or something like that. Um, and so that was sort of more of a, a media stunt, I guess you would say. It was orchestrated by the Reinforced Action Network and Forced Ethics, who've been um, actually out there this summer for two months with an internship program helping to support the community. And the action was designed by people in the community to, to bring attention, I think, to the blockade. It's been going for three and a half years now, and you know, I think they were feeling frustrated that still logging was continuing. So it was more of a media stunt to... Um, right. create public attention. There were about a hundred people there. There were some people from Six Nations actually that had come up for the okay. gathering and they were there too. So there was a police negotiator there from our group um, and the police let us walk away at the end of the night and we were let out by women in grass, you know, singing and drumming. It was really powerful but um, the next day when people tried to leave Grassy Narrows they were arrested. Um, and people of color and Aboriginal people were targeted. And only the people of color and Aboriginal people were arrested. White, really? white people wow. were able to leave. It's just a coincidence, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. what a coincidence. Yeah. Well, because it was bright outside, and when they took pictures, what happened is the white people, they yeah. blended in with, like, the sunlight, you know? So yeah, they, they couldn't, couldn't really make up their faces. <laughs> yeah. But anybody with darker skin, it would, they were the only ones they could identify. Yeah, they, or, and they actually had been at the blockade the previous day taking pictures and right. identifying people and... Yeah. What kind of those people have been released, presumably now? Yeah, yeah. And are they facing charges? Yeah, they're facing mischief charges. It's really significant. It's the first arrests that have ever been made in connection with the blockade. And what would be the strategy there? To is it just to to be, get people in the community to be discouraged from participating in this? I assume so. Like in, intimidation tactics. What had to happen was for the rest of the people that were leaving at the end of the week of the gathering, we had to go in a big group together yeah. and leave. Um, yeah. And then they had conditions on their arrest as well, they had to leave the area within 24 hours. So basically to try to deter people from continuing to do actions in solidarity with right. Grassy Narrows, they had to just get out of the area or they'd be go back to jail kind of thing. Right. Not long after, there was an, another blockade that mm -hmm. sprang up. Is that right? Can you tell us about that? People in the community decided to blockade another logging road and set it up at a place called English River Road. And yeah, they, they camped out for a day and a half there. It was... Um, very peaceful. There were community members from Grassy Narrows. Two of them had their children with them. There were babies there. So the blockade was at the at the edge of their traditional uh, their traditional territory, and um, the goal was to stop logging trucks. And so the um, blockaders let um, just regular traffic, people going fishing and stuff, pass through, um, but stopped logging trucks. So the blockade stood. It began on the afternoon of the Wednesday, and then on the Thursday night night after it was um, raided by the OPP and the f a Grassy Narrows community member was arrested and it's the first time ever that someone from Grassy Narrows has been arrested and I guess it's just the second set of arrests that have happened in connection with the blockade right. and it's really significant because she was like she, it wasn't she wasn't on the Trans-Canada Highway doing a symbolic blockade she was actually on her territory 
defending it, you know, right. stopping logging trucks from getting in. Um, and she was also arrested in front of her four-month-old baby and five-year-old daughter, who right. was completely terrorized by the police. They, I mean, it was really a completely unnecessary show of force and intimidation tactics. They, you know, there were about 10 people, all women except one man, just babies and women camped out. They could have just been like, hey, you guys are under arrest, come with us. But they right. drove up with 16 vehicles. They had like bulletproof vests on. They ran out yelling, dragged people away that were Holy not resisting. Shit. It was really unbelievable so and scary. Under whose directive would they have done this? That's a, a really good question. Um, it, they were all OPP. Um, and that's a pretty important distinction to make because I've heard people talk about like on the reserve of Grassy Narrows, people, um, when there's an issue with police, Treaty 3 police deal with them, not the OPP. Right. And so this was all OPP, so it could have been from the provincial government or just from the police chief in Kenora. It's hard to say, I guess. But um, yeah, and the only, the only two adults that were not arrested were myself, um, because I was taking care of some kids at the time, right. and another mother who had her kid in her arms. I, again, it's an, an intimidation tactic, and they again the conditions for people um, for people's release what they had to leave the area in 24 hours, or they would return to jail until their court date, which is set for September 18th. Right. So it's kind of an attempt to get yeah to get people to stop taking action. Does that um, that that includes people who are from the area to have to leave the area? No, it was okay. for people from the outside. Okay. Yeah. So trying to I guess trying to um, stop people from the outside to, from su- to from, yeah and coming in to support grass insidious. What's next as far as um, IPSM is concerned? Is there anything coming up? Is there kind of a plan of action on how to you know, sustain against this new repression that's being faced by the people there? I think that something important that we could do in Winnipeg is jail support for um, Chrissy, who is the woman arrested in Grassy Narrows. Okay. Um, she, uh, as far as I know, when, I, um, when we returned from, I guess, the jail in Kenora, and everybody got back to Grassy, they said, this is an escalation, and we're going to continue to do roving blockades and stuff. It's definitely an escalation, and it's also um, an issue of, of sovereignty, um, because the, the police, by their, like, their direction for people upon their release to leave the area, um, was in conflict with Grassy Narrow's demands, which were for people, they had invited people to remain with them and stay. Right. And so it's a real conflict over jurisdiction um, and sovereignty. So I think that's, that they feel that it's an escalation on the, on the part of the government. And I'm not sure if they're going to escalate as well, but I think people are pretty riled up. We mentioned earlier uh, end users like New York Times, The Washington Post, Xerox, the Sacramento Bee, I believe, uses paper from the Whiskey Jack Forest. So is there a campaign um, active in the States to let consumers there know about it? And are they responding if there is? Um, the Rainforest Action Network has a campaign going against Warehouser. So um, some of that takes probably takes the form of campaigns against those newspapers. And I know that um, the Grassy Narrows, like the community in Grassy Narrows, actually sent those newspapers a letter telling them about um, what was going on in their community and that that wood was being used um, by the papers. Um, and I think that the Warehouser campaign is also targeting um, campuses in the states in Canada that use Warehouser and trying to get them to switch to an ethical alternative, stuff like that. So yeah, there has been some um, stuff done in that front. So any listeners in New York, Washington, Minneapolis, Sacramento uh, might want to think about that. Where should sure. people look who don't live in the region? Where should they look to to get information about Grassy Narrows and how they can support it? 
There's um, www.freegrassy.org. It's got lots of detailed information about the background and also, um, I guess, different ways that you can get involved in supporting them. So things like targeting Warehouser or doing solidarity actions in your community, stuff like that. It's got lots of information about it. Yeah. Do you like music? Yeah, I like music. Do you want to pick a song? Oh, geez. Lately, I've been obsessed with this Aboriginal hip-hop artist named Equal. She's got a CD called Apprentice to the Mystery. We will find it and cool. play it. Well, Sheila, thank you very Thanks, much for Sheila, coming we in. Thanks, Sheila. We can't thank you enough for coming in here. Yeah, Thanks that was. For uh, me on. This is Equal with Reluctant Warrior on G7 Radio. Reluctant Warrior, giving answers from another somewhere. Got something for you, gotta find time to prepare. announcement. So, so we have a special news announcement here. Mm. What's in your mouth? I got someone's cookies in my mouth. Derek, who are we here with right now? Who, who has just joined us in our studios? G7 Studios. We, we have with us here uh, a man who is known only as the beaver. Uh, I don't know if this is official yet, but the, what I'm getting from uh, this communique I've just received on the teleprompter here is that Jord and Todd have kicked out Glenn Lambert from Propagandy. He has been excised from the group. What? He's been kicked out, and he's going to be replaced. He's not going to be replaced by one, but two Two new members of the band. The first, you, Chris, you, Chris Hanna, are actually coming back to your role as a vocalist and guitar player. Me? Yeah, you, for Propagandy. This man, the Beaver, who's here with us now in the studio, he has just joined us, 
Hi. That there he is. Beef, could you tell us how did you come to this role? What will you what's your affiliation with this band now in this breaking breaking brand new hot off the press exclusive news story? Well, which version would you like? I heard that you were handpicked by the band because you shit your pants as an adult. This is true, although that happened after I was handpicked. Where are you from? Who are you? Why are you called the Beaver? Why am I called the Beaver? Um, which version would you like of that? <laughs> the one where you shit your pants. Okay. <laughs> okay, when I was 17, I, uh, I was reading a, a copy of my favorite comic book called Space Beaver, and uh, I shit my pants. And uh, ever since then, Space Beaver. And there, yeah, there was witnesses. To the shitting? To the shitting. Was it in class? No, this was in my kitchen. <clears throat> Beav, you're going to be playing guitar in Propagandy, is this correct? Yep. I, I, I hasten to ask, but uh, what, was the, uh, what was your signing bonus? Well, so far I've seen zero dollars, so it's pretty easy to live up to that. Now, Beave, your musical background, can you describe it to the listeners? The listeners want to know who this guy is. I used to play in a band called Giant Sons. I noticed you've got some copies right here. <laughs> um, a local Winnipeg band. I played in a band after that called Rough Music. And since then I've done nothing until, until just now. I'm, I'm wondering, do you have any fear of reprisal from uh, Glenn now that he's been kicked out of the band and been replaced partially by you? Like, are you, you know, are you kind of looking over your shoulder? Like that guy, he's a little off. I think everybody could agree, especially in the press surrounding the release of Propaganda's last record. Some of his statements to the media were wild, uh, ravenous. Uh, do, are, are, do you fear personal, uh, either emotional oh, or yeah. physical reprisals from one Glenn Lambert? Not really. I have something stuck in my eye. He doesn't seem unstable to you? Sure he does, but uh, I don't fear that guy. <laughs> Me neither. You guys have a one pair of brass balls together, put together. So, Beeb, what's on the horizon now? Like, what are you guys doing? I mean, what are we doing? What, what is it that we're doing? In the, what are we, what's our plan? What's our plan? Um, now that you and I are dueling fucking guitar players. I guess we're going to... <laughs> um, I just took a scab off my knee and it's bleeding. So are you excited about being uh, part of the band? Oh, yeah. It's palpable. <laughs> I could cut that with a very, very, very sharp knife. Are you a member of Propagandy's pending lawsuit against G7 for unpaid royalties? I guess so. Do you have like a Kleenex or something? <laughs> so, Chris, what? Chris Beef, I, maybe I, I can get a reaction. I mean, Chris, you're coming back to the band after a long absence. Uh, absence from an entire record and a tour or a trip, if you want to call it. Maybe, Chris, I can ask you first, what's, you know, how do you feel you're coming, you brought someone with you. What's going through your mind right now? Oh, I'm just thinking about Beaver. 
So are, you, are there plans to revisit the cities that uh, were visited on the Crimean tour? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yes. Beave, you're, you're, you're coming on board here. Chris, you and Chris have come as a package back to Propagandy. Uh, what about new material? Can there be, is it, can the fans expect any new material? Uh, yeah, I hope so. I think that's maybe in the, what is that sound? That's the sound of your Jeez. knee bleeding. That's kind of creepy in here. What, so as your opening statement to the world as the newest member of Propagandy, what do you have to say entering this new era of the world's most popular band? Uh, please don't hate me. <laughs> or at least just be nice to me. You can hate me. Don't spit on me. Beave, Chris, thanks for coming in. Hey, no problem. I was here anyways. And I'll be here after we're gone. Beave, do you like music? I guess so. Pick a song that will tell people who you are. Give me a minute. Play anything by no means no and I'll be happy. Yeah, we can do that for you, Beave. This is no means no. Heaven is the dust beneath my shoes. From their new album... All roads lead to asphalt. It's not to get 
sleep when I woke up this morning. So I took all your clothes and I buried them in the backyard. Then I phoned your mother and father, told them where you were, and that you were naked. But all they said was that they were very, very busy and they would try to see you later. step into the same stream twice. But I find that wet feet soon get caked with sand and grit. That's very unpleasant, especially between the toes. So when I go for a stroll, I stay on the sidewalk. And I always wear
you've been listening to G-7-7. G- 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 G-